Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey there, I'm back with another episode about attachment. You know it's my jam. We have been every week taking some time to dive a little bit deeper into each attachment style to better understand how it plays a role in our well-being and our relationships. So let's just get straight to it, okay? I've been starting the episodes kind of sharing the, the motto or the thing that someone that's from that attachment style might say. So let's do that first. Someone who's securely attached will say something like being close is easy, okay? So they feel like connecting is easy and they also have a tendency to assume positive intent and be able to get over things, you know, maybe easier than others because they're securely attached. Someone who is anxious preoccupied might say something like, I want to be emotionally intimate with people, but they don't want to be with me. And so there's that, that, desire to be close, um, to be connected, but feeling like we're not desired the same way or I'm not wanted the same way that I want this person. And that's going to play out in the interactions that this person has with those people in their life. Dismissive avoidant would say something like, I'd rather not depend on others or have anyone depend on me. Now, this is that independent person, okay? They can do things by themselves, they're self-reliant, and they also don't want to have the pressure of someone else relying on them. And the attachment style that we're going to talk more about today is fearful avoidant. And this person might say something like, I don't want to be hurt. Oops, forgive me. I want to be close, but what if I get hurt? So someone that's fearful avoidant might say, I want to be close, but what if I get hurt? So there's that desire, again, to be connected, to be close, but a fear of it backfiring and resulting in pain, right? And so as we kind of talk about this, keep that in the back of your mind. If you haven't listened to the All About Attachment episode, scroll, 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 go back and check it out. I will link it in the show notes as well, where it gives an overview on, you know, how we come to have our attachment styles and the history and some general tips and tricks to manage it. I will also link the notes for um, the other two episodes on the on anxious avoidant and dismissive. Oh no, anxious preoccupied and dismissive avoidant. Okay. Now, how do we get this attachment style, or what is the definition of this attachment style, and then how do we get it? Sorry, y'all. I, this is the third time I'm recording this podcast because the internet hates me. So forgive me. Those with fearful avoidant attachment believe that they do not deserve or are unworthy of love. However, equally, they do not trust needing another person for fear that they will be rejected. Again, there's that that dichotomy cutting coming up. 
the desire to be close, but the fear of being rejected. And someone that's fearful avoidant is usually this way because of severe childhood trauma, emotional neglect, or abuse, right? So attachment is all bred out of our early life experiences uh, being played out essentially in our adult relationships, okay? And fearful and avoidant attachment style is characterized by the urge to protect oneself and stay away from relationships while at the same time having an urge to be in a relationship. So this is the result of growing up with parents that maybe were inconsistent. So sometimes they were really loving and kind, and other times they were really mean and hurtful with what they said and did. Um, Inconsistency, I think it has a huge role to play in this attachment style. Um, Obviously, childhood trauma, emotional neglect, and abuse can um, leave lingering um, effects on us emotionally right? And so having that understanding helps us to raise our level of self-awareness in order to be able to figure out how to, you know, have different experiences because what we don't want is to be stuck on the hamster wheel kind of waking up into Groundhog's Day every day. We're, you know, in a new relationship, but it looks the same as the last three because we didn't take that time to really evaluate where we were at and what you know, what contributed to that relationship being the way that it was. It's less about fault, more about ownership and um, collaboration. And that has a lot to do with just starting with yourself. We can't control anybody else, but we sure can start with ourselves, right? So I wanted to make sure to drop by, leave some tips for you to learn how to manage uh, this fearful attachment style. And Yeah, keep it short and sweet. So tip number one is to cope with emotions and use them as data. So our emotions are feedback. They're our brain and our body's way of letting us know how we're doing and what how we feel about something and whether it's okay or not. And so what we want to do is really start taking inventory of how we're doing when we're in certain environments, when we're with certain people, and just collect all of that juicy information, right? Coping with the emotions is learning how to self-regulate. So there's external regulation and there's internal regulation. Being able to internally regulate is something that we're supposed to, well, I don't want to suppose to you, is something that we can learn in childhood, but sometimes doesn't go that way. Sometimes we don't learn that because maybe our parents didn't learn how to um, cope with their emotions. So how can they teach it to us? So learning how to self-regulate internally so that we have this... um, power and control over ourselves to some extent, but also knowing who we can um, be able to help us externally regulate, right? So that's going to be different coping skills like getting active and um, getting working out, having writing, singing, having a hobby. Um, those are coping mechanisms, some of which will change your state, right? If you were to jump in a cold pool, that's going to change the state of your body and that might help you to cope. Um, Taking some time to meditate is going inside, going within. So you want to use those in tandem with each other, coping with emotions and using them as data. Number two is tolerating other people's behaviors. Now, this does not mean that we're condoning the treatment, um, someone, the way that someone treats us as okay. Definitely not. 
But how can we use um, our emotions as research, right, to let us know that, hey, my my response in this situation my is, is appropriate to the stimulus. Because sometimes another person might have a response that's disproportionate, and then we start thinking it's us. So we don't want to kind of collude with another person and be pulled into what they're dealing with to the to the point that they, you know, um, influence our behavior, our emotional state, and our reaction, right? You want to keep yourself from getting emotionally hijacked, okay? That means that you have to know um, that it's even going on in the first place. That's why awareness is so necessary, right? And when you're able to do that, that leads us to the third tip. You are able to hopefully choose more supportive environments. Now, children don't get the privilege of choosing their environment because they are minors. They live with their parents or whoever their caregivers are, so they don't necessarily have um, the same opportunity to make those choices, which is why one of the reasons why it's difficult for me to work with children because I often feel that it's less about the kids and more about the caregivers. But as we get older, hopefully we have the ability to choose the environments that we're in Um, and use our emotions as that data that's going to let us know, is this person, you know, kind to me? The way that they treat me isn't kind and I don't, that's not what I think that I deserve or want to experience. So I'm going to create distance or I'm going to have boundaries. When I'm done hanging with this person, they're so kind that it, it makes me excited. I really like myself when I'm with them and, you know, I feel really good. So that's all of the feedback that you're receiving. That's your emotions telling you, you know, how you feel about this person and how you feel when you're with this person and after you're out of their presence. Sometimes you feel really good while you're with them and then you feel like shit afterward. And that's data. That's feedback for you to be able to use and go off of to know whether you should keep, you know, heading down that track or not. So... I want to go back through those four coping skills. You can use all of the ones from the previous episodes, but I just want us to continue to build on that foundation so you have as many as many tools, um, tricks in the bag as possible. So the first one is coping with emotions and using them as data. The second is tolerating other people's behavior. The third is choosing more supportive environments if you're able. And the fourth is keeping yourself from getting emotionally hijacked. I kind of put that into number two, so I forgive me. But make sure that you listen to this episode again if you need to. Check out the other attachment episodes and reach out to me if there's any tips or parts of what I talk about that you want me to expand on. I know that these episodes are short and sweet, straight to the point, trying to give you little nuggets to apply throughout the week. I think that we spend so much time downloading information from social media and whatever and whatever, but how much are we actually applying? So let me not go off on a tangent, but that's why I like to keep these short because I want you to actually apply the things that we're talking about throughout the week, okay? Before we go, I want to say thank you and that I appreciate you and that I see you and I hear everything that you say when you um, reach out and send me DMs. I try to respond to every single one of them. When I get emails that, you know, a podcast resonated with somebody, it really, really, really means a lot because it lets me know that I'm headed in the right direction. And so for that, I want to take a moment to thank um help me find name, someone who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. They said, wowzers, how amazing. She addresses taboo topics and adds humor so you don't feel awkward about your own mental health journey. 
a must listen. So I appreciate you for leaving that review. And if you haven't yet left a review, if you've had the opportunity to listen to some episodes and you feel like this is some good information, definitely please take a few minutes to head to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Obviously, I want it to be honest and reflect your experience of these episodes, but it does help to show more people Um, the podcast and help to get the word out because it's really just about helping us to collectively, collaboratively work together to heal. Okay. I'll talk to you next time, Gems. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.